Welcome to the One Mic, One Voice show, building the collective conscious. The show that's created to give space for your voice, ideas, and informed opinion can be heard, appreciated, and debated. I am Michael Eric Owens. Yeah, I'm your host in the One Mic studio. Well, folks, it, if you have not heard, if you have not been listening, I had a grand opportunity given to me by the Wilmington Public Library. Uh, my good friend, the director there, Jamar Rahman, uh, to interview Dr. Cornell West. Can you believe that? Little old me to interview Dr. Cornell West. Folks, and it was a, man, it was a treat. Um, I divided the questions into two categories, race in America and politics. And with the election right around the corner, it was, man, it was a thrill to be able to hear from him, to hear his, uh, his words, this philosopher, this prophetic voice, this social activist, this professor, this author, uh, man, uh, to spend time with him was truly um, not only an enlightening experience, but a pleasurable one. And so when we, I'm going to start here, but when you, you're going to hear, we're going to have some audio, a few audio challenges to start with, but then we're going to get deep into the conversation. So what I want you to do, listen, folks, just, uh, just take a listen and enjoy hearing from this great man. Yeah, I was, I was, yes, I can hear you too. So I I was, I hope so. I think when they, when I think the host muted everybody. So that's what the the problem problem was. So, so, so getting, getting to our first question, I'll repeat it. And it's dealing with race in America. If we canvass American history, the struggle for equality, justice, and inclusion for black people, even when we make progress, there always seems to be a pushback. Do you see the rise of Trumpism and the resurgence of white supremacy as this pushback? And how should we navigate this moment? Mm, well, I appreciate the question, brother. I want to begin by saluting you, though, brother. You're forced for good coming out of Milwaukee. Now in my home state of Oklahoma, yes, sir. I was born in Tulsa. You coming out of Oklahoma City like Ralph Ellison? Of course, Ralph Ellison, one of our great yes literary artists. Man, he he put pen to paper the way Louis Armstrong blew. Now Louis Armstrong's a genius beyond genius beyond genius, but he's a wonderful model and ideal for a writer like Ralph Waldo. Yes, Ellison. but I salute the work that you're doing. Thank, I want to thank Wilmington Public Library for being so kind to facilitate our, our conversation. Brother, we're going to deal with the technology. We ain't going to worry about it. And we ain't in no rush, man. We're here with the spirit. We just let the spirit flow. We're here to try to touch Absolutely. some souls. We're here to try to unsettle some minds. We're here to try to empower folk. Yes, yes. Uh, very, very much so. Now, anytime I come to Wilmington, even before we get to uh, white supremacy, we know that Clifford Brown comes out of Wilmington. Mm. You know, the Bob Marley spent time in Wilmington. When he found the Bob Marley and the impressions, he was imitating a genius from the west side of Chicago named Curtis Mayfield. So he covered all the Curtis Mayfield songs. He was working in the plant, the DuPont plant, 
in Wilmington coming out of Jamaica. When he went back home, he, he turned into the whalers, not the whiners, but the whalers. So that the rich tradition of folk in Wilmington bearing witness to truth and justice is something that we want to affirm. And I say that because, you know, anytime you talk about um, somebody like Trump or any other expression of the vicious legacy of white supremacy, you never allow them to be your point of reference. You see, they, they, they are foes. They are, they are folk that you're fighting. They, they, they represent something inside of them that's evil or white supremacy or any other kind of evil. But the real point of reference has to be the black tradition itself. Because we come from a people who've been hated for 400 years and taught the world so much about love and how to love. So the question becomes, how do we stay on that love train? How do we stay on the justice train? How do we allow ourselves to be informed by the one love of a Bob Marley or Clifford Brown and Max Roach and Abby Lincoln? What went into the shaping of them such that we can be true to them? So then we have lens to look at a Trump, and we're not surprised. A lot of people are so overwhelmed by Trump. We should never be surprised by evil. Never. Just like we should never be paralyzed by despair. You see, because they're trying to convince us to be despairing, to try to dampen our spirit, and try to put out our fire. So that you're absolutely right. There's no doubt that Trumpism as a movement is an extension of the worst of America, which is deeply tied to not just white supremacy and all of this viciousness, but of predatory capitalism. The idea that you just look at people to be manipulated, dominated, use them as objects to make money for profit and so forth. It's same is true with the male supremacy in it, looking at women just as objects for conquest. So that in that way, uh, uh, you're absolutely right. We make movement forward. They try to push us back. We keep coming forward. They try to push us back. Now, we're at a moment now, you know, where... Uh, um, uh, Zoom with Dr. Cornell West. Ooh, ooh, can you still hear me all right? Yes, I can still hear you. you. Know, can, that's cool. Yeah. Absolutely. No, so we got somebody mm-hmm. Zooming. We got yeah, can somebody you... Zooming. We just heard something. Can you mute your mic? Um, yeah, that's cool. Just make sure oh, no, the mic's... You know, do your Zooming now. Do your Zooming. <laughs> Ain't no harm in doing your Zooming. <laughs> Aretha say, who's Zooming who? We're going to keep the Zoom. We're going to keep the Zoom real. That's cool. That's cool. Because it ain't no harm with different voices. Yes. You know what I mean? We come from a people say lift every voice. It's just the timing of it that we're concerned about. Absolutely. That we want to make sure we can hear each other. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, but the crucial thing is, is that we're at a moment now where we have to fortify ourselves because of the thickness of the evil. Mm. And not allow it to be the point of reference in terms of how we view ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if we lose contact with the best of our traditions, our mamas, our daddies, our grandmamas, our granddaddies, the W.B. Du Boises, the Clifford Browns, the Abby Lincolns, the Fannie Lou Hamers, mm-hmm. the Ella Bakers, and others, we lose the source of our strength. Mm-hmm. And see, white supremacy has always tried to get us to somehow view ourselves through it. Yes. And white supremacists want us to view ourselves through them. So every time we think we got to react to them rather than respond based on our point of reference, our tradition. You can't be a Clifford Brown if you're just concerned about white supremacy. When he's blowing his horn, he's thinking about Clark 
Terry. He's thinking about Louis Armstrong. He's thinking about the greatness that comes from his tradition. And he dies at 27. And look, unbelievable legacy he leaves. Mm-hmm. Because of his genius tied to the best of his tradition. Yeah. And the same is true with Bob Marley, who dies in his 30s, mm-hmm. too. But look at the legacy he left. Yeah. Yeah. See what I mean? Absolutely. And so in that sense, I think anytime we talk about the uh, the Trumps and the others, we can't be so preoccupied that we don't allow us to be rooted in the best of our tradition to fortify us against his white supremacist mm-hmm. sensibility, against his greed, against his hatred, against his contempt. Because greed and hatred and indifference to a black folk, that ain't new for us. <laughs> That's true. Years. Yes. In this, in this yes. hemisphere? Yes. It ain't new at all. Absolutely. The question is what kind of strengths we have, what kind of determination, what kind of organization, what kind of solidarity. Now, we have to be able to engage in, you know, serious discussion Mm -hmm. with each other because we don't have disagreements and things. But as long as we got the right standards in place, Mm -hmm. that's the key. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love how you put that in, in navigating through this moment is understanding that point of reference. Right. That standard. Absolutely. You know, I want to talk about a little bit about the death of George Floyd and so many others. It appears that America has had this um, this awakening, this enlightening. And and I guess the, the, the way to put it is America is woke now. And but do you believe that a movement, this multicultural social movement for justice is sustainable when um those that have been woke, a lot of them don't understand or even know the black experience. And can it be sustainable for people to help a people that don't know a people, number one, but also number two, I would say, you know, who are we obligated to educate them on the black experience or should that be something that their outrage and their passion takes them to want to find out? Mm, mm, no, I appreciate that question, no, brother. I mean, one is is that uh, the the test of being woke is not just going to a demonstration. Mm. It's a beautiful thing to have, you know, brothers and sisters of all colors out there. You had forty seven hundred demonstrations in two thousand cities. Some cities, of course, had a number of different demonstrations uh, over time. That's a beautiful thing. It means that when there's a public lynching, like our precious and priceless brother George Perry Floyd Jr., that there ought to be some response. People ought to have a sensitivity. People ought to have some feeling, caring, concern about our brother who was publicly lynched like that. Uh, uh, so I don't want to downplay the display of concern, but when you're woke and fortified, you decide to become part of organization, you decide to become part of institutions, you decide to become part of movements. And the question is how long we can sustain the Black Lives Matter movement so it's not a flash in the pan, so it's not just a matter of going to a demonstration here or there, but it's a matter of trying to dedicate significant energy and time to it. And that's therefore untested. Mm-hmm. Now, it's very important that there have always been white brothers and sisters who have been part of the black freedom movement. John Brown was no joke. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. 
he and his sons, you know, they gave their lives in mm. uh, that guy. Now, of course, he got a whole lot of cousins who never got the memo. <laughs> right. Because it's, he's a, so you talking about a, a slice mm. of white brothers and sisters who have been in solidarity with our movement. Mm-hmm. We always embraced them. But the vast majority of our white brothers and sisters have not joined the movement yeah. at all. Yeah. And that's true today. Yes. Going to a demonstration don't mean you decide to join the movement. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful to go be out there, but, you know, when you get tested, that's when you know. Mm-hmm. That's when you know. Miles Horton, white brother, founded Highlander Center. Our dear sister Rosa Parks was there three months before she sat out on the bus in order to stand up for justice. Stokely Carmichael was there. Diane Nash was there. John Lewis was there. This was a white brother, Highlander, right there in Tennessee. His cousins were Ku Klux Klansmen who mm. would burn it down. He'd build it back up again. That's a serious white brother. Yes. I mean, his wife was a co-writer of the song We Shall Overcome. Mm. Serious white sister. Mm. So that they're always been part of the movement. It's like Eminem and hip hop. You know what I mean? Yes. Dr. Dre yes. said, come on, Eminem. You mm. look like you sounding good, man. Now everybody know you ain't no biggie. You ain't no Tupac. You definitely ain't no more Rakim. Yes. And you learn something from Rhapsody and Missing. So come on in. <laughs> exactly. Eminem, your white brother. We always been like that as mm-hmm. a people. Mm-hmm. Our yeah. churches were like that. Come on in. White folk want to join the church. Not necessarily singing on tune in the, in, in the choir or on beat, but come on in. That's yeah. who we are as a people. We couldn't go to their churches. We invite them in. But it was a small, small number. Mm-hmm. You see, because in the end, you know, the best of our tradition is always the love warrior tradition. Mm. Embracing folk who have the spiritual and moral courage to be in profound solidarity with struggle for justice. Mm. And so I, I, I do think that uh, it, it, it's, it's, I'm not putting down the mm. demonstration. It is very important, but it requires much more than that mm. though, brother. Yes. Requires much more than that. Yeah. And if they want to learn, immerse themselves in it, Come in. That's beautiful. Yeah. That, that's fine. Very much so. Yeah, and 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 the the onus has to be on them, right? The the passion and the outrage I think will only last so long because seasons change. But that's I think true. when you truly want um to be I I would say partners in changing right. the trajectory of the injustice I think individuals will commit themselves and you have described, you know, examples of our white brothers and sisters that have, that have done that. But my, my concern is, um, you, you know, uh, better than I do. Yes. You need the test of integrity, sincerity, and willingness to serve. Yes. Usually not enough. Exactly. Exactly. I want to move to politics because we're going to go and then we're going to open it up for some questions. But I do have a few things that I want to address. I mean, I think everybody wants to hear you talk about um, the 2020 election that's coming up here Tuesday. And it seems that the country is holding a collective breath. You know, and you speak of, and I love this, I love this, you speak of this idea of humility and tenacity in a leader. And uh, I would like for you to kind of elaborate on what you mean by that, but also talk about, do you see that in Joe Biden? You know, do you, because I know clearly uh, it's not in Trump. So um, could you elaborate on those two, you know, very important characteristics of leadership? I appreciate the way you asked that question because we have to try to be 
honest, man, especially with, with people who are suffering. We had to respect people enough to tell them the truth. Uh, so, so you can't just go out there and be lying on folk just to try to get people to vote. Now, I think that we're living in a moment where neo-fascism is so real that we've got to get the neo-fascist gangster out of the White House. That, that to me, is the first priority. Because with fascism, it calls into question the very possibility of any democracy whatsoever. Massive dis rule of, disregard of rule of law, suppression of dissenting voices, violation of rights, liberties, the rule of big money, the rule of big military, and white supremacy is the public face of American fascism. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're the first ones to get pushed. Yeah. And the immigrants and so forth. But we're the first ones to get pushed because white supremacy sits at the center of the country in terms of its understanding of itself. Mm -hmm. So the worst of white supremacy is always manifest in its white, the worst of America is manifest in the worst of its white supremacist mm -hmm. actions. Mm -hmm. And the best is the struggles against white supremacy. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, but here comes Biden, you see, and Biden himself, you know, I mean, Biden is like, let me put it this way. <laughs> Biden is like, uh, you want to go to a Curtis Mayfield concert and Pat Boone shows up. Mm. Mm. So, so Pat Boone is going to be better than the Ku Klux Klan. Mm. He's going to be better than the neo-fascists. Mm -hmm. But don't try to convince me that Curtis is Pat Boone. Yeah. Or don't kind of try to convince me that Kenny G is John Coltrane. See what I mean? Yes. We had to make some distinctions. So as much as I want Biden to win, I'm doing all I can to push him across the line. I'm not going to lie about him. So a lot of people think that somehow you got to cast him as if he's some grand progressive figure who can come save the country. No, no, no. Biden got problems. Biden got some serious problems. But he's so much better than the gangster. So we had to be prudential as we tell the truth about what we mean. And what do you, what, what do you mean by better? Hmm. Well, mass incarceration, hmm. the crime bill. That's our young brothers and sisters went to jail. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Iraq war. That's half a million people dead. Iraqi life has the same value as any other life. Mm -hmm. That's my kind of Christian sensibility. Yes. Jesus loved the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. All the children. <laughs> Iraqi children, children, black children, white children across the board. Wall Street, unleashing Wall Street greed. That's Biden, the Glass-Steagall Act that was repealed. He led, so that you have to be able to tell that truth and say, look, given those things, he's still better. Than the gangster. Yes. Therefore, he's got to be pushed over the over, over the finish line. But when he gets pushed over the finish line, don't think that somehow he's gonna make a priority of black people, or make a priority of poor people, make a priority of working people. He's tied to Wall Street. He's tied to Pentagon militarism. That's who he is. Now, a lot of people don't want to hear that. You know, so, oh, brother West. We we want people to be fired up and we want people to vote and realize who they voting for is some great figure. I said, no, you got the wrong person. I'm not going to lie like that. Yeah.
people have to be grown up enough to say, this person is better than this person. We got to fight against fascism. I'm part of an anti-fascist coalition. And in that coalition, you got a lot of folks you disagree with. You see, And yet, the only way you can push fascism back is to vote for Biden, because as a centrist, as a moderate, as a neoliberal, he's better than the neo-fascist. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of political education. And that's the kind of truth-telling yes. that we have to have. And we don't get it enough. I mean, and it's it's it, that's one reason why we got so many people don't vote at all. You see, large people just don't. Well, you know what? All them gangsters ain't nobody telling me the truth. They never change. They talk one way, and as soon as they get in there, they, they shift. I'm not voting for all for anybody. Yeah, that's all. That's over forty percent of our fellow citizens, and higher percentage of black people. Mm-hmm. I think that's wrong. I think they should vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they need. Think it through yeah. so they don't have high expectations and then get completely disappointed, mm-hmm. but make some serious analysis and recognize uh, uh, how we can push back fascism and push Biden in. Once Biden gets in, then we got to keep the pressure on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my way of, of, of assessing. What, what, what is your read, my brother? I, I, we here to learn from you too, don't we? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm of the same mindset that you are. And I think what sticks out in my mind is this idea of um, if he does get in, if he does Mm -hmm. respond to the needs of the black community, it would really be a first. We have not seen, we have been promised over and over again. Uh, The rhetoric is, is we know it. And I think as you say, so many people have been come become uh, I would say, apathetic to uh to 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 voting um but it would be the first and i think people don't understand that doc they don't understand that we're asking for something that has not taken place but the question is how do we make that a reality because as you said i don't i don't believe that um you know mr biden will come in and um really respond to the needs of a black community uh, like we need for that to be right. That needs right. to be a focus. Right. And that's what people right. on our problems need to be a focus because they're not just black problems. They're American problems. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you begin with how you treat the least of these. You see, you don't, you don't measure the progress based on how you treat the black upper middle class. You measure it in terms of how are you treating the precious brothers and sisters in the hood. Yes. Who are wrestling with decrepit school system, indecent housing, not enough jobs with mm-hmm. a living wage. Yeah. That's the measure. Because uh, uh, the, the centrists can easily say, well, you know, we hired some black people and we got some, uh, uh, some, some, some black elites as part of our circle. And we say, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's good. But that's just one small step. Mm-hmm. You see, we measure serious progress in terms of the least of these. Mm-hmm. That's the biblical criteria. And who are the least of these? Those in prison. It's the poor. It's the elderly. It's women. 
It's folk catching hell. Mm -hmm. The folk who are already doing well, don't mm -hmm. tell me about their new opportunities. If I'm already at Harvard, don't use me mm -hmm. as an example of success in black community. Mm -hmm. No, the measure is my precious brothers, Jamal, Letitia, and the others catching hell. Mm -hmm. And I don't allow myself to get used as this nice little example of success so people can brag about their diversity <laughs> and their inclusion yes. and their equity mm -hmm. and all these little categories they use that don't really want to get at what's happening to mm -hmm. the least of these. Mm -hmm. And see, as, as Christians, let alone as human beings, we can't allow ourselves to be used like that. Not at all. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that 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 is profound in the sense that um, you know, when will change come? What will change look like? Who will lead that change? And I think um, you know, we have to look to those that are in public office, but also you know, we have to have some sort of self determination somewhere in there. And you 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 spoke about you know, the least among us and how do we ourselves advocate for policies that target, I'm not talking about, you know, opportunity zones, you know, you know, folks created opportunity zones and, 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 and black folks don't have uh, no leverage in, in who, who is designating those or who is getting money in the opportunity zone. Where so. is the wealth coming from? Where is the capital coming from? Where is the credit coming from? What voices do we have as to who gains access to the credit? And the capital, you yes. see? Absolutely. Yes. You're yes. absolutely right. And and so do you um in in dealing again with the election and looking for um if Biden wins, what we need to do as a community. Um and this is I'm I'm gonna bring up President Obama because I want to I want to understand and I think we need to hear you had some some legitimate concerns uh, regarding uh, what was happening in the black community. How do we, if you want to talk a little bit about those concerns, but how do we, how, how do we correct that? How do we ensure that we don't have the same concerns uh, four years from now if Biden gets in? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. Now here again, we've got to go back to the best of our tradition, man. You know, that, uh, that Brother Martin Luther King taught us, he said, there's four criteria. Mm. Poverty, racism, militarism abroad, and materialism. And that's a spiritual issue. You see, mm. materialism means mm -hmm. you just think you can possess your soul by means of possessing commodities and mm. things. Mm. So your whole conception of being human is, how big your house is, how big your car is, what your status is, what your title is. Well, see, that's spiritual emptiness. You can't have a movement based on people who are obsessed with materialism because they get bought off real quick. All people got to do is just give them a bigger house. Then they ain't going to serve the people no more. Or give them a bigger status, and they're not going to fight no more. They dampen, they, they fire. But poverty, crucial, so that, when you have any president, brother Barack Obama, anybody else, the question became, and of course, when I, when I worked with him, that was my question. I said, what is your relation to Martin Luther King Jr.? Hmm. When it comes to those four issues, 
Are you going to fight against poverty? Are you going to fight against militarism and war? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about drones. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about bombs mm-hmm. dropped. Are you going to fight against materialism? Are you going to fight against racism, mm-hmm. white supremacy? And in, 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 in our day, that has very much to do with mass incarceration. You can't be an afterthought. That's a new Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. And anybody concerned of fighting white supremacy got to fight against Jim Crow. That's like in the 1940s. You're going to fight against racism, but you're not going to fight against Jim Crow. Well, we got a new Jim Crow of mass incarceration. So that's very important to hit head on, especially for our young people. Because mm-hmm. most of our young brothers would have one out of three connected mm-hmm. to the mass incarceration system. You see. Mm-hmm. So when Brother Barack, when he came in, and after having, you know, worked with him and so forth, and I looked at all the people around him, I said, you're bailing out Wall Street, but you're not bailing out homeowners. That's a keep sweat moment. Something, something just ain't right. Something, something just ain't right. Wall Street don't need no bailing out. The homeowners do. Black folk lost 58% of their wealth because they lost their home. Because of what? Wall Street crimes. Insider trading, market manipulation, predatory lending. How many Wall Street folk went to jail? Zero. Zero. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's a moral and spiritual issue. You got all these folk out here catching hell. Wall Street getting all of this money and support. What's the president supporting Wall Street for? When he had the meeting with Wall Street, he said, I stand between you and the pitchforks. Don't worry, I'm on your side. You don't say that to Wall Street. You say that to the least of these. That's why Jesus ran out the money changers of the temple. That's why they put him on the cross, because he ran them out. But who was getting run out of that temple? Wall Street, crooked politicians. We're talking symbolically and literally. That's who Jesus ran out, and he ended up putting him on the cross. Well, I'm a follower of Jesus. So it ain't about popularity. I'm following Jesus. You see, he running the money changers out. I got to find out who these money changers are. Who are these greedy folk yeah. who got all of this stuff and these precious poor people ain't got nothing. Going to all these fancy schools and the poor children ain't got schools to go to. Got all of these books and the poor children don't have enough books. That's why most people don't want to follow Jesus. It's too hard. Oh, they want to be well adjusted to injustice. They want to be well adapted to indifference. No, they want to be accepted by the mainstream. They scared of the cross. Hmm. No crown without the cross. Hmm. No justice without the love. Mm. Yes. So same was true with the drones. I, I, I said, now, George Bush dropped 45 drones on folk, innocent folk. And then Obama dropped 563. Hmm. Now, I got to be consistent. You see? Hmm. How many folk were killed by those drones? We don't even talk about it. How many bombs were dropped? Brother Barack Obama dropped 25,000 bombs the last year he was in office. Every year he dropped about 20. How many were killed? How many were killed? Oh, Brother West, you don't want to embarrass the black president? I am in solidarity with Brother Barack Obama and Michelle and the precious girls, one of his daughters, a student right here at Harvard where I teach. If they mistreating them, because I hate white supremacy. But if you were president, and you got the killer list every Tuesday, and you're choosing who you're going to kill with your drones. That goes against my vacation Bible school teacher. Mm. 
No, you don't be dropping bombs on innocent folk. I don't care what color you are. So you got to tell that truth. You see what I mean? You got to tell that truth. Brother Martin did the same thing with LBJ, didn't he? Yes, LBJ he did. LBJ pushed through 64 bill, 65 bill, housing bill. Everybody said, Brother Martin, LBJ is on your side. I know. I love LBJ. He's dropping bombs on precious babies in mm-hmm. Vietnam, and the Vietnamese baby got the same value as a black and a white baby in America. And what happened to Martin? People turned against him. Mm-hmm. He only had 55% of black folks supporting him when he came to that issue. Why? Because he was a Christian. He's a decent man. He had to be true to his calling of what it is to be a moral and spiritual person. Yeah. You can't, yeah. You can't run around talking about, well, I want to be a nonviolent Mississippi and support violence in Vietnam. You can't say Emmett Till, precious brother, yes. get killed by cowardly terrorists, and yet U.S. bombs are killing babies in Vietnam. So what happens is you end up with black folk being flag wavers rather than cross bearers. Every flag is under the cross. Every flag, every nation, every country is under the cross. And by cross, what I mean is unarmed truth, unconditional love. Mm-hmm. So you only had to be a Christian to understand the cross. Yeah. I am a Christian, so it's more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that cross stands for truth and love. And, and you- if somebody's violating mm-hmm. truth and love, no matter what color they are, you had to be critical. Not that I didn't talk about him in any vicious ways in terms of his mama or his family or nothing like that. I said, you're doing wrong things, brother. And you need to be accountable. Why? Because truth is bigger than all of us. Justice is bigger than all of us. And where I started, the folks who came before, brother, the ones who died for us, sacrificed for us, mama, daddy, grandmama, granddaddy, aunts and uncles, they wanted us to be involved in a quest for truth and justice. Yeah. You know, they set the standards. Yeah. They're the ones set the standards. That's when they asked Miles Davis. They said, Miles Davis, what is jazz? He said, jazz is four words. Louis Armstrong, Charlie Parker. They <laughs> said, well, Miles, what, 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 what you talking about? He said, they set the standards. He could have said Sarah Vaughn. He could have said Billy Holiday. He could have said Donna Washington. They set the standards. Aretha. They set the standards. Louis Va- Luther Vandross. They set the standards. Donny Hathaway. They set the standards. So you ain't going to come acting like you singing off the wall and say to you the next Donny Hathaway. No, learn how to sing. Get your notes together. They set the standards. So is true in our politics. So is true in our religion. Certain folk set the high standard. Fannie Lou did, Martin Luther King did, Malcolm X did, A. Philip Randolph did, Ella Baker did. They set the standards. Toni Morrison does in literature. She set the standards. And you know, Dr. West, I... I'm sorry to go no, on. No, 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 no. That's that's no, this, this is important. Is important. <laughs> you know, this this is this this is one reason why I think your voice is so powerful when it comes to black identity. This idea of knowing those who set the standards, being able to reach back and understand the the foundation that was built, that was laid in which we stand upon. And I just see so many of us 
we can't reach back. We don't have that mm-hmm. knowledge. And so, I, you know, I, I thank you for reminding us and inspiring us to to know those. And, and, and I, I would not be in where I'm in today if I did not reach back and understand who shoulders I am standing on. Exactly. exactly. Remember Sankofa. Remember what Sankofa stands for. Sankofa says, before you even move forward, you get in contact with the best of your own tradition. So you and I grew up playing baseball. It's Willie Mays. Mm. It's not Willie Mays just he's a black man. He's the best one out there. If we punch it, it's Muhammad Ali. He's the best one out there. And we want to be the best. Yes. Kendrick Lamar. Mm. Now, you know, he's named after Eddie Kendrick. Oh, okay. No, I didn't know that. Oh, his mama named him after that genius in Birmingham, Alabama, who sang with Otis Williams and sang with all of those other temptations. Eddie Kendrick set a standard, and Kendrick's mama said, I'm going to name you after a high, high standard. There's a whole lot of black folk who just singing out of tune. She ain't named him after that. She named him after the high level of excellence yes. in that regard. You yes. see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then here come Kendrick Lamar, who then keeps track of the best within his own genre. He's very obsessed with Biggie and Tupac. He's very obsessed with Rakim, the greatest ones there, the Snoop and the others. Mm-hmm. He's also influenced by DMX. Mm-hmm. DMX, you know, the complicated brother. Yes, absolutely. We ain't going to get into that right now. <laughs> right. You know, absolutely. he got five, five albums. All of them went platinum. But the stuff he's saying about, you know, he's got some, uh, Let's just call it Holy Ghost Challenge. Mm. You know, he, he got some Holy Ghost Challenge yeah, that yeah. we need to work with. Right. We, 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 all of us need that. But in, in DMX is one of the great artists. Yeah. He got some, some challenges. You know, he's like, he yeah. like Rudy Ray Moore when we were coming up. But you, you're probably too young for that. <laughs> Don't like Rudy Ray Moore? Yes, sir. You yes, know, sir. He, he, he talented, but he ain't no Richard Pryor. Everybody know that. Right. Everybody know that. And and before we go to some questions, I just want to um, just have you elaborate for a moment. I mean, we're in a pandemic, you know, a world yeah. pandemic, yeah. and we know that we're losing um, more uh, in our community per capita. And um, with the racial tension and divide in our country, no end in sight to this pandemic. I mean, where do we, I'm the November 3rd is coming up. I understand that. But where do we go from here? Yeah. Yeah, brother, that's, 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 that's a tough one though, man. You know, we, uh, we are blues people. Mm, I love when you say that. <laughs> we are blues people. Yeah. And the blues is a personal narrative of a catastrophe lyrically expressed. Mm. Strange fruit. That's Billy. That's catastrophe. That's American terrorism. That's lynching. But how does she do it? With style. She does it with determination. With her own genius. Yeah. To keep moving. To keep on pushing, as Curtis would put it. You see. B.B. King says, Nobody loves me but my mama, and she might be driving too. <laughs> That's the flip side of the thrill yeah. is gone. That's the king of the blues from Mississippi, B.B. King. How does he do it? With style. With that smile, a little help from Lucille, his guitar. And you can hear him playing that guitar 
You hear Robert Johnson, the genius from the Delta, Mississippi. You hear Mara Rainey. You hear Bessie Smith. You hear Alberta. All of those voices coming through that tradition. Well, even in the midst of pandemic, it's a, another catastrophe. Oh, we've had so many catastrophes. Personal level. Mama's dying early. Friends betraying us. Folk undercutting the movement. White supremacy catastrophe predatory capitalism driven by greed exploiting our labor catastrophe mistreating our children catastrophe here come the pandemic another catastrophe blues people what kind of spiritual and moral resources do we have to deal with this new catastrophe you see and, 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 and it has to generate policy. You know, you, that's, that's another reason why it's very important to, uh, to get Trump out of the White House. Because mm -hmm. it's clear he don't give a damn at all. For the most part of almost anybody, especially <laughs> people of color. Yeah, yeah. Especially people of color. See, we just invisible. Can't see us. And, and that's another reason why Biden is very important in terms of getting him across the line. But when he gets across the line, we got to make sure Get him a national plan to deal with the pandemic. Am I still on though? Yes, yes, you are. You can hear me all right? Yes, sir. That black people have access to the care, the vaccines, what is required to deal with this pandemic. But it's another catastrophe. What is what what is important to keep in mind though is that um you see, there's a whole lot of people in America who are not used to dealing with catastrophe. Mm. See, they've been living in Disney World conditions. <laughs> they've been living in Disneyland conditions. They Peter Pan. They grew big in terms of money, grew big in terms of status, but they never grew up. See, that's why we don't have any blues protégés. No such thing as a four-year-old child singing the blues. Because you got to have grown up to sing the blues. Now, it's true that Michael Jackson, I heard that brother saying, Who's Loving You? And Can You Remember by the Delphonics when he was nine years old? I said, This little brother, he got the blues sensibility yeah. at nine. I don't know what's going on in his life. Because he's singing like he really been in love. Yeah. He's singing like he's talking about my situation. What is going on with Michael Jackson? Well, you know, that happens every once in a while. But generally yeah. speaking, you can't be a blues person unless you're going through some hell and high water. You can't be a blues person unless you suffered and you're wrestling with it. That's what it is to be a blues person. Well, on the other side of town, on the vanilla side of town, the blues is ailing. They into comfort and convenience and contentment. And as soon as something goes wrong, their whole world collapses. And we say, dang, we've been dealing with catastrophes. Yes. You know not of, but we still strong. Y'all got a little small crisis going on. They're ready, ready to kill yourself. You got to get yourself together. You yes. got to get your soul in check. You see what I mean? Yes. So now that the whole nation has the blues, they either learn something from a blues people mm. or they lose their democracy. Yeah. They lose it all. The greed blinds them. The white supremacy blinds them. The hatred blinds them. And they lose it all. And at that point, you know, it's a Malcolm moment, Malcolm X moment. Chickens come on the roost. Mm. You reap what you sow. Mm. Mm. Sooner or later, you're going to have to deal with 
the reality. Yeah. You can stay at Disney World all you want, eat all your popcorn, drink all your Coke on Main Street, but sooner or later you're going to have to leave Disney World and go back in the real world. And if you're not equipped for that real world, you're going under. You know yeah. what I mean? You're going under. Absolutely. Absolutely. Peter Pan going to have to grow up sooner or later. You can't be walking around 55 years old acting like you 15. Yeah. You yeah. got to grow up. Yeah. A blues nation. But Learn a, from a blues, blues people. Blues about maturity, mm. growing up, and still having compassion, still having artistic creativity, still having connection with others. That's what it is to be a blues man. We learned that from Ralph Ellison mm -hmm. now in terms of his literature. Absolutely. Ralph, who wrote about the blues yes. in that way, but he was learning from mm. a great people mm. who produced a great tradition yes. of deep love, a terrorized people who teach the world how to heal, mm. a traumatized people he too taught the world how to overcome and just keep overcoming. And my soul looked back and wonders how I got over. That's Clara Ward. Mm. In her 20s, mm. her soul looks back and wonders how I got over. Mm. Clara, where'd that come from? Mm. Well, I've been through some stuff. Yes. And here's my response. I ain't reacting to white folk. I'm overcoming the white supremacy. Take this. Mm. And we still singing that song to this day. Mm. She's been gone. Mm. <laughs> oh, what a people. What a great people yes. at our best now. Absolutely. Absolutely. The best now. Oh, we start losing the best. We end up just gangsters just like this. <laughs> absolutely. I want to um try to get to some questions here. Oh, absolutely. And we, we, we don't worry about time now. We, okay. we, 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 we go by the spirit. We ain't worry about no calendar time or All nothing right. else. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the truth. No, I, I appreciate it. I'm looking for um let me see. Um it says, Dr. West, are you familiar with Dr. Claude Anderson's plan for black America? If so, are you willing to work with him to present this plan moving forward as an agenda for black America? Oh, no, I have great respect for my brother. But I think I'm open to anybody who's loving black people. Mm. Anybody. Anybody who's working to the best of their ability to get us out from under. Mm. You see what I mean? Yeah. And that, that can get you in trouble, though, you know, because uh, I don't have to agree with everything Brother Claude is doing. He's got a, he's got a good heart, and he's concerned about black people. Mm -hmm. Ice Cube been getting in trouble late. No. <laughs> you, I, I love my hey, brother hey, Ice Cube. Hey, you know I had Ice to. Ice Cube is I, trying to get black <laughs> folk out from under. It's just we can disagree with the timing mm -hmm. of his plan. We can disagree with whether he should be raising it at this moment mm -hmm. with the gangster Trump. But Ice Cube was concerned about black brothers catching hell. Mm. I, I, I don't mind working with, but brother, I come in with my criticism. Mm -hmm. Ado, calling for, you know, the Ado organization? Yes. American Descendants. Mm -hmm. You know, I was there at the conference. Mm -hmm. Brother West, how come you spending time with Ados? I thought, these are some folks, Sister Yvette and Brother Tone, they calling for reparations. Black folk ought to get reparations. Yeah. Yeah. Half of us ain't got no wealth whatsoever. Mm -hmm. We need reparations. I don't have to agree with everything they talking about at all. Mm -hmm. Mr. Louis Farrakhan. Oh, mm -hmm. Brother West, you must, you hang time with, you hang out with Mr. Louis Farrakhan. You must be anti-Jewish. 
No, no, not at all. I can keep track with the love in his heart and be critical of other things. Mm. He also is concerned about black people. Yeah, yeah. John Lewis and his crowd, that's mm. closer to my heart in mm. terms of Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy. Absolutely, mm. you know. But I work with them as well. I work with the new Black Panthers. I work with with, 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 with anybody who's focusing on truth and justice. But yeah. you got to be a jazz person about mm. that. A jazz person is flexible and fluid. So you, you you have your own integrity wherever you go, wherever organization that you're working with. And you come out with your own sense of who you are. I know I am a Jesus-loving, free black man who, can, who intends to be faithful unto death. Yeah. I work with my atheistic brothers and sisters. Beautiful. They got some goodness in them. They got some courage and vision in them. But I take me and Jesus together. Mm -hmm. I'm working with my Muslims the same way. So with Claude or anybody else, I'm very much open to it. I'm very much concerned with trying to be the force for good that I can be in my short life, Mm -hmm. given what we are up against. Yeah. Very much so. I'm sorry to go on like that. No, no, no. Using all of these different, different. No, I, I, I was very curious about uh, your take on uh, Ice Cube and, um, you know, Little Wayne today, I guess they showed he took a picture with uh, Donald Trump and um, endorsed him is what I what I saw. Little and, Wayne you know, came out and endorsed Trump? Yes, yes. He had a picture today with him. Yes. And we got so, some confused, yeah. confused artists and black folk don't yeah. and and do you think uh and i think there's some questions or i don't know how they're going to open them up uh with the mics but do do you think there is this this vacuum that that people see because of this awakening now that this black leadership vacuum that artists and others are trying to jump in however they do not have that connection to the past nor do they have that experience in this struggle for social justice. So I see that as, yes, their heart may be in the right place, but clearly they don't understand the struggle in which we have been in for generations. No, it's true. And we've had some great artists. I mean, Gil Scott Heron, Mm -hmm. it would be nice if some presidents had brought him in Mm -hmm. or bring in some Nina Simone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We've had some artists. Bring in some Curtis Mayfield. He'll tell you. Mm-hmm. He's a truth teller. Yeah. And genius beyond genius. Dropped out of school in eighth grade, and two colleges went through him. Mm-hmm. He right now, I'm so proud as a teenager and gypsy woman at 14, and we ain't got the real winner yet. Artists can play a role, but they have to prepare themselves. They got to fortify themselves, you see. So that when I heard that, uh, that Trump offered uh, 50 cent half a million dollars then you know they like politicians they like any other group of folk they can get bought off they just get bought off folk been getting bought off for hundreds of years and the entertainers can get bought off too but 50 cents say he didn't accept it. I want to be honest mm. about that. But then he looked like he still came out for Trump. So I don't yeah. understand exactly yeah. what's, what's going on. Yeah. But Kanye and all of yeah. them, too, that they, 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 they get confused because they believe that simply because they're highly visible mm. and influence a lot of people, that somehow they deserve to be leaders. Mm. Mm. And it, it doesn't follow. Mm. 
Yes. You can influence a lot of people and still not be prepared to be a leader. Mm. Just keep doing what you're doing in the studio. Correct. Kanye, Ice Cube, they have enriched my life mm. as artists. We had the problem in the 1960s, Wilson Pickett. Mm. I love me some Wilkins, Wilson Pickett. We tried to convince him not to go to South Africa. You remember that struggle? Mm-hmm. And he decided to go. Mm-hmm. I said, well, Wilson, man, you're just wrong. It's two left shoes, man. But you keep singing Funky Broadway because I need that. Mm-hmm. I need that. So that people have their own callings and they get confused and they get conflated. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know about Lil Wayne today. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, it's just a sad thing. Yeah, It's interesting that you don't have the, uh, the sisters getting bought off like that. That is true. That you is, know what I mean? That is true. And that's worthy. Should have called Cardi B. Give Cardi B a call. <laughs> she was with Bernie. Yeah. Sit down and talk to Cardi yeah. B. Lil Wayne learned something. Mm. But Lil Wayne is a genius now. Mm. That mm. little brother coming out of New Orleans is a genius. Yeah. But he's confused politically. Well, that's all right. Yeah, that's all right. So, so let me see here. I don't know how we're going to because I don't have any. Michael? Yes. There's quite a bit of echo. So if someone has a question, they can they can actually go ahead. Uh, Dr. West is listening. Oh, that's wonderful. Hi, Dr. West. Yes, how you doing, my dear sister? My name is Jennifer. I actually met you back in 2001 at the Bryn Mawr Presbyterian Church where you spoke, so I'm very wonderful to see you here in my hometown of Wilmington today. 2001, 20 years? 20 years ago, sir. Oh, Lord, my soul looks back and wonders how I got over 20 years. Good God Almighty. Go right ahead. So I'd like to turn the conversation to mass incarceration, if I may. Um, You spoke on, can you speak on what policies do you think we should be working toward to disrupt the school-to-prison pipeline specifically, since that is, you know, among the many problems that contribute to it? I mentioned before, my dear sister, we've got to, Abolish poverty. That's the ideal. We've got to have quality schools so that our families and communities can once again become strong. Because the way in which you stop folk from going directly from kindergarten, first grade, second grade, on the way to juvenile delinquency, on the way to jails, is you got to have love that intervenes. You got to have resources that intervene. You got to have young folk who are who will learn how to go another way. See, when I was growing up, I grew up in the ghetto, but it wasn't a hood. Donny Hathaway and Leroy Hudson sang about the ghetto. They wasn't singing about a hood. They were singing about love in that ghetto that had cultural and spiritual richness. We were just broke as the Ten Commandments financially, but we were not broke spiritually in the way in which so many young folk were broke today because they haven't been loved deep enough. They haven't been cared for deep enough. We had deep love, and I won't even get into my West family, Shiloh Baptist Church, and all, all the black brothers who set up Little League and so forth and so on. I was still a gangster, even given all of that. If Jesus hadn't kicked in, but that's a whole other issue too. So that how do we get our young people to stay on the right track in terms of integrity, honesty, decency? Once the families and communities begin to collapse with not enough jobs, once the market convinces young folk to be human is bodily stimulation and material prosperity, material toys. So the, so the whole end of life 
It's just to be successful. It's not to be morally and spiritually great. So you end up with a lot of successful folk who don't know what to do with it rather than using their success to be great. And anybody can be great because he or she is greatest among you will be your servant. That's what the Bible says. That's true. What do you do with the things you got? What do you do with the gifts you got? What do you do with the money you got? So that that pipeline that we're talking about is one in which you got to abolish poverty, make sure you got schools of quality, make sure you got jobs with a living wage, and make sure that people's spirits are oriented in ways that are enhancing rather than destructive. But as long as you got hoods in in place, and see, hoods are mirrors of Wall Street. The gangsters on Wall Street are concerned with the 11th commandment, thou shalt not get caught. They don't give a dang about the 10th commandment, the 10th commandment. <laughs> They're concerned with survival of the slickest. And our young people want to be successful. Wall Street's a model of success. So they engage in doing anything they can in order to gain money, doing anything they can in order to gain status. And when they get successful, they got to have all this paraphernalia of suffering with this golden teeth and all of this accoutrements of success. You say, hey, what, 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 what makes you think that with all of that costume of success that you're greater than your grandmama who loved you? You wouldn't even be there for one for her. Well, you got a point, Brother West. You ain't lying. You ain't lying. I've taught in prison for 37 years. The first question I ask the brothers when I get in there, how many of y'all take a bullet for your mom? And they all raise their hand. I said, I'm in the right place. Because you get something bigger than your ego. And it ain't going to be just about the various manifestations of success in all the superficial ways. Because you know what love is. You know that you tied to something bigger than you. And once you get young folk, that's tied to a love and a justice. There ain't going to be no pipelines. It's going to be fundamental change in the country. Because I can tell you one thing. We got some of the most creative, courageous young folk in the history of the country. But they can't channel it in the right way. They channel it in the games. They channel it in, in attacking each other. They channel it in the wrong way because they haven't had enough love. But they got the energy. They got the courage. But they don't have the vision. They don't have the vision. And I can give you a good example of this in terms of our young folk. Many, many of the older folk remember, see, when we were coming up, see, we had groups like the Emotions. Sister Pam just died. Wanda and Sheila still. You all remember the Emotions. Delphonics, Dramatics, the Temptations, the Miracles, Enchantment, Main Ingredient, the Whispers, Lakeside, James Brown's Band, all of that. They were all taught to lift their voices by listening to other voices in order to generate collective expression. These days, you don't have groups to sing together. It's all individualistic. One person with a microphone. So you miss out on a soulfulness. Part of the greatness of black people is that we're a soulful people. And soul is the sharing of a soothing sweetness 
of a people wrestling with catastrophe. So when you hear Luther Vandross with his background, never sang alone, when you heard David Ruffin's voice, when you heard Marvin Jr. of the Mighty Dales of Chicago or Eugene Record of the Shy Lights all singing together sweetly, tenderly, soulfully, they were touching our souls. They weren't just titillating our bodies. What we've seen in the recording industry is a dumbing down of our music. So they don't want the soulfulness and the sweetness and the gentleness. They want the titillation, stimulation, conquest, domination. That's what you hear in the dominant forms of our young people's music. So it's a form of spiritual warfare against our young people. Because they know we are soulful people. They know we have been so tender. That's what James Baldwin said about Malcolm X. He's the most gentle person I ever met. That's why a genius from Macon, Georgia named Otis Redden could sing a song called Try a Little Tenderness. And Babyface would say, not Roni, but Tender Roni. Hmm. There's a tenderness. That is the private expression of love, the way justice is the public expression of love. And when you have justice tied to tenderness, you got a possibility of changing the whole society. No, everybody knew Richard Pryor had a tenderness to him. That brother was like an orange without a peel. He was so sensitive all the time. He loved Newbone when he did Newbone. He wasn't laughing at black people. He was laughing with black people. He was empowering black people. That's our high standard. Mom's maybe the same. We can go on and on. I can go on and on about this, but kindness, tenderness, sweetness is part of being soulful. So a wounded people can be healed in order to be empowered to straighten our backs up. And you remember Sly Stone wrote a song called Stand, didn't he? Stand, you've been sitting much too long. There's a permanent crease in your right and wrong. Stand. The cross for you to bear. Things to go through if you going anywhere. That's the genius from Vallejo. That's Sly Stone. Once you have that love and know how to be tender and straighten your back up and don't have to worry about being spineless, the powers that be, they're either going to kill you, which they've all historically done to our leaders. The ones who were really love warriors end up getting killed oftentimes because they know it's a threat. And if they start spreading that kind of love and justice and tenderness to black folk to believe in ourselves, respect ourselves, determine ourselves, defend ourselves, shoot. You ain't going to have no Trump running around here, running his mouth as if he has no accountability at all. Not at all. No way. Mm -mm. No, we be fortified. So it's spiritual as well as moral and political. But our music has been at the center of all three. All three. And that's why we had to defend the greatness of our music past and present. And it's not... It's not dead. I mean, we still got, we still got the, um, you know, Rhapsody and a whole host of folk, Kendrick and the other, J. Cole. We've got some wonderful uh, musicians and artists who are trying to hold it down. But it's hard, it's hard to do that in the culture in which we find ourselves, definitely. Well, uh, there's a question. Uh, thank you, Dr. West, from uh, 
Oklahoma City from Lisa Foster. The question Ooh. is, oh, uh, with without Malcolm or Martin, how do we lead and organize young people in this movement? Well, one is that uh, every generation got some Malcolms and Martins mm-hmm. and Ella Bakers and Fannie Lou Hamers. Every generation, going all the way back, hundreds of years, you see. You just got to be able to connect with them. You got to be able to highlight them. And uh, and usually when the powers that be know that they're there, they keep close track of them. First they want to mm. do is buy them off. Mm. But they sell their souls for a mess of pottage. You see. But see, brother, brother Martin used to say what he said. I'd rather be dead than afraid. Mm. Rather be a corpse than a coward. Mm. That's that's spiritual mm-hmm. greatness right there. You see, can't buy them off, mm. and if you can't buy them off, you try to lie about them. Mm. Character assassination, FBI, COINTELPRO, mm. Edgar Hoover and company, mm-hmm. and not just Martin, folk across the board. You see, uh, uh, or Fannie Lou, they beat her down, try to put her eye out, but she just kept on fighting anyway. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. I just wrote co-wrote a song with Boots talking about stars. Stars have no names, they just shine. Mm. I tell no people your name. The question is what's the quality of your shine? Mm. And everybody's a star anyway, in slide stick. Everybody got light inside. Everybody gotta shine. Everybody can be a star in terms of letting that shine. When I was in Shiloh Baptist Church and I was a little boy, they used to tell me little Cornell. If the kingdom of God is within you, then everywhere you go, you ought to leave a little heaven behind. That's wisdom. What kind of shine you going to leave? What kind of heaven are you leaving behind? You can't be a coward leave heaven behind. You have to be courageous. You got to lift your voice. And so we have that younger generation. And let's keep in mind, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. Boy, we've got some young folk on the move. Largest protest demonstration in the history of the country. Sisters. Some of them lesbian, queer. Oh, that's another challenge. Old folk, I've been straight all my life. I can't deal with none of these lesbians. Well, who you think James Baldwin was? Oh, he's my hero, but I don't like to come to terms with his gator. Who you think Audrey Lord was? Well, she mean the world to me, but I can't come to town with her lesbian. Who you think Billy Holiday was? You think she just like men? Oh, Billy, I can't live without Billy Strange Fruit to change my life. Yeah. Who you think Maureen was? Who you think Bessie Smith was? They, they live. Mm. You got to come to who you think that brother is playing on the organ sometime mm. in your church. Yes. He moves you at the deepest level. You know he's gay as he can be. Or what we used to say in the old folk. Well, he, he's that way. Mm. You know, he. He's that way, but he just means the world to me. I can't, our church can't function without him. He hits that piano and that organ so beautiful, but he's that way. Well, the question is how deep is your love? Because mm. the young folk, you see, they can't stand the churches that don't want to hit patriarchy, homophobia, and transphobia. Jesus said, love your neighbor. Didn't say, love your neighbor, but the gay folk. Love your neighbor but the lesbian. Love your neighbor but the trans. Love your neighbor but this color. Love your neighbor but that color. No. Love your neighbor. Period. 
That's a little bit hard. You know, the Paul got some other things going on. You know, Paul was talking about slaves be obedient mm. to your master. Yeah, we got around that one, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Paul said women ought not make a noise in church. I'm Baptist. We got around that one yeah. quick. We ain't talking, we ain't got to the Pentecostals yet. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's the love at the center. And if you're Christian and you got Jesus, if you're not Christian, you still got access to human love. Mm and justice that embraces people all across different lines. Absolutely. I think we have, um, is there any more questions? Someone is going to come to the mic. Is that correct? Yes. I think we have somebody there. Oh, there's a dear sister right there. We, we cannot hear you. Dr. West is listening. Absolutely. No, you take your time. Take your time. They're going to work it out. They're going to work it out. Here comes our brother. Hey, check one, two. Can yes, hear we can hear you now. Oh, yeah. Hey, there we go. Everybody can hear me, right? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Here we go. I'm going to hand the mic back for the question. Thank you so much there, brother. My question is, you talked about um, African-American people having a struggle for over 400 years. And one of the questions that always boggled my mind is why are why do you feel as African Americans we are hated so much? Well, I appreciate that question, my dear sister. Appreciate the question. You know, I, I don't think there's a definitive answer to that because there's so many different motivations for hatred. Um, very much so. But I can say this. Just looking at my dear sister, because I noticed she had that beautiful look like she had Princess Purple on, uh, Alice Walker's Purple on, and she had a style, and she had a self-confidence. And when you're socialized in a white supremacist civilization, which means you're deeply socialized into vicious lies, when you see black folk walking with such self-confidence and so much style, brothers walking down the street like they worth Ten million dollars, and they could be broke as they can be, but the way they walk in is such that they have this tremendous presence and spirit. That's a threat to the lies that you have been socialized into. And so you either have to check yourself in a self-critical way, or you project a certain contempt and hatred. So that's one thing. That's one way of getting at it. Uh, um, uh, same is true, you know, with, with the Tulsa riot when they killed uh, so many uh, black business folk, right, in, in Oklahoma. They were out competing the white business folk. Well, white supremacy tells you black folk are not supposed to outcompete. That's why when Jack Johnson knocked out a white brother in 1909, they had race riots all across the nation because they finally had a space of fairness, which was the boxing ring with the referee. And you're knocking white cats out. And they thinking, oh, my God, this is a shattering of white supremacy. Black folk aren't supposed to outcompete white people. So they either come to terms with the white supremacy as a vicious lie, or they project the hatred 
on the folk who are still walking around as if they are winners. Now, Curtis Mayfield say, we're a winner. We're a winner. How these people going to say they're winning? They broke all the time. We got our children. We got our churches. We got our music. We got our style. We got our bodies. We got our grandmamas. We got our histories. We got our memories. And nobody can take that away from us. And you're walking like you're a winner. And they say, oh, we got to crush them even more. That's pathological. But it is what it is to be socialized in a sick society in a path in a white supremacist society but that's just one of the one of the explanations i think there's a whole lot of explanations hatred itself you know it's a it's a human thing black folk hate each other uh, too many men hate women women hate men hatred is a complicated thing but when it's tied to white supremacy uh, uh, i think we do have to connect it in terms of uh, of, of a certain black self-confidence uh, that that defies white supremacist lives, very much so. It's also tied to greed. When black folk want fairness on the job, it's like we're taking your money. No, 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 you're not taking our money. We help produce your money. What you want reparations for? Well, for 244 years, we worked for free. Don't you think out of 244 years of free labor under the most barbaric conditions, that that kind of damage requires some kind of retort, some kind of response. And think how sick it is in the history of America that when they declared emancipation, like they did in Washington, D.C., the slaveholders were compensated, not the slaves. Think how sick that is. That's not just hypocritical. There's a difference between a gangster and a hypocrite. Hypocrisy is the compliment vice pays the virtue. When you're a hypocrite, you know what virtue is. You're just trying to hide it and conceal it. So you're acting as if you're something that you're not. That's a hypocrite. Virtue still has some weight. A gangster has no sense of virtue at all. See, that's Trump. That's compensating slaveholders. Don't even don't even go don't even think about how sick it is to compensate slaveholders. Why? Because you live in a society where property has more value than persons. So if you take somebody's property, even when they are persons, you got to pay them back. And that's why slaveholders have been compensated and the slaves have not. And then when, they, when the descendants of slaves come and say, we want compensation, they say, this is so irrational. We just don't understand. What kind of framework are you working in? Get outside of your white supremacist one. Get outside of your narrow one and understand what justice really is. Understand what fairness really is. And of course, all you got to do is, I mean, it's, it, 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 it's this way. You say, I'll tell you what. Let's assume that black people enslaved white brothers and sisters for 244 years. Do you think you would want reparations? Of course you would. So all you got to do is get outside your little narrow white supremacist way of looking at the world and say, black people are just as human as you. Now, I know some of y'all ain't got the memo yet, but it, it's coming. It's on the way. We just as human as you. We just as precious as you. If we had enslaved you for 244 years, you'd have a white reparation movement every Friday night. In every city, every white church, 
they'd have white musicians sing about white reparations. And as a Christian, I would say anybody enslaved ought to have reparations. I'd be in solidarity with the white brother system. I said, now, you black folk, y'all were wrong as enslaved them for that long. You shouldn't have done that. Jesus don't like that. That's not moral. That's not right. Because we have a moral and a spiritual standing. That's exactly why we have not created a black version of the Ku Klux Klan. Whereas if black folk had enslaved white folk for 244 years, do you know how big the Klan would be? It would be a major movement. Major movement. Because historically it doesn't look as if the white population in the country has a majority leadership tied to love and justice as opposed to hatred and revenge. That our leadership with Frederick Douglass and Ida B. Wells and Sojourner Truth and Harriet Tubman, they weren't trying to enslave other folk. They were trying to ensure slavery never existed as a whole. They had a higher moral and spiritual ground. And so it seems to me that we've got to be very, very candid about the just, you know, how um, how morally empty things are, even as we don't allow it to be the point of reference, because it's been like that for so long. We've got to get our traditions together, our peoples together, and those who are willing to work with us. I would say the same thing in terms of uh, of, of international relations, you know. I get in trouble a lot of times when I talk about my Palestinian brothers and sisters. I say, don't y'all know if there's a Palestinian occupation of Jews, I would be in solidarity with my Jewish brothers and sisters. Occupation is wrong. Well, now there's the Israeli occupation of Palestinians. I'm in solidarity with my Palestinian brothers and sisters based on the same moral and spiritual grounds. It doesn't make me anti-Jewish. It doesn't make me anti-Semitic. Not at all. Occupation is wrong, no matter what. No matter what, when Chinese do it to Tibet, when the Indians do it to Kashmir, and so forth and so on. Uh, so that's the kind of uh, uh, high standards that the black tradition has dished out to the world. That's the caravan of love that the Isley brothers sing about. That's the love train that the OJs sing about. See. Well, Dr. West, I, you know, do, do we have any more questions? Because I, I, I tell you, you have, um, man, this has been a blessing to be with you, uh, yeah, this there's evening. Another there's another question. Okay. That's let's, fine. let's, let's, Absolutely. let's, let's go ahead with it. Good evening, Dr. West. How are you doing, my dear sister? Well, folks, that's our show. Uh, for today, I, I man, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Spending time like that with Dr. West was truly amazing. Uh, it made me, <laughs> man, it made me want to spend some more time with him. Of course, there were more questions that came up. We we stayed around for a little bit, um, and I'm hoping that uh, my future. Uh, Somewhere in my future that me and Dr. West, uh, our paths will cross again, uh, maybe in a, a more traditional way once we get beyond this pandemic. 
But thank you so much for for tuning in, folks. I can tell you uh, it was a great experience for me. And, you know, as always, history will speak of us. Somewhere in the distant future, a scribe will reach down deep into the archives of our time. And what will she find? Will she discover that we overcame our differences? Will she find that out of many we became one? Or will she find that we solved nothing and remained a divided peoples? Yes, history will speak of us. We gotta raise our children better. We gotta stop the hate, stop the hate, and spread the love. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. Thank you for downloading the One Mic, One Voice show. Take a moment and subscribe and share. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or any other podcasting platform. Thank you for your continued support and for your voice. You can change the world. It's your choice. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the One Mike, One Voice show are not the views, thoughts, and opinions of our sponsors.